Good morning. Glad to see you all here. Welcome to Whitewater, everybody. It's, uh, it is fall. Can you believe this? Football's going. I, I'm not supposed to say this, but there, we have our fantasy football league that's going for the church. I know it sounds super spiritual. Um, someone reminded me that I am on the leaderboard, so um, I am excited about that. No one else is. Ugh. Man, I thought this was the 1030 service. People are usually excited here. It's good to see you guys. Uh, welcome, welcome. Uh, we, we know that people are at totally different points in their spiritual journey, but we think everyone is on a spiritual journey. It's not so important where you've been or even where you're at. Uh, to us, the most important thing is where you're headed. And we've designed this series this fall to help you move forward in your spiritual journey. Um, a lot of people are going through hard times um, in the fall. This is the, the time when the courts get filled with divorce cases. This is when families uh, often begin going through some hard things. And we want to be a place where you can belong before you believe. That means you can come find healing even before you believe what we believe. Uh, we want you to be able to explore your faith and do that at your own pace. Um, and so uh, just know that this community is an awesome community. Me, my, my family have been through hard things and people have really come and supported us. So... Um, build some friendships and really enjoy being part of this, this place. Let me say a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for all you're doing uh, in our lives and um, in the lives of people around us. Lord, even when it might seem like, like things are out of control or things are just um, very difficult, Lord, I, I, we know that you're at work. We know that you're good. Would you encourage some of us who need encouragement? Would you speak truth to those of us who need truth? And Lord, would you, um, would you speak to our hearts today? In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever found yourself in the wilderness for any reason? So any of you guys, wilderness people, like you like being in the, how many of you guys are people that like to have pictures of yourself in the wilderness? You might not necessarily like being in the wilderness, but you like make sure you have those pictures. I'm sure no one else is like that. Um, my mom loved the wilderness. I mean, she was, it was like she was born for and in the wilderness. She uh, loves hiking. Uh, she would take us on hikes growing up as kids all the time. We called them death marches. Um, <laughs> but my mom loved to bring us, on, us to those. And one, one day she was like, I found this great hike. It's amazing. It's one of the most beautiful. It's at Mount Baker. It overlooks this lake and this uh, vista. It's amazing. And the more she was talking it up, the more miles we knew she was adding to this thing. And, uh, and so she got us and a group of friends that we had in our family um, to go up on this hike at Mount Baker. Um, on the way up, uh, I was with my friend Mike. He's part of our family friend uh, unit. And uh, he, was, he was acting kind of weird. Normally he liked hikes, but he was acting all kind of sketchy. And um, like, I don't know if I want to go. And I was like, why don't you want to go on a hike? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, you got to talk about it. What's going on? He's like, ah. I was down in uh, Yosemite, my parents took me down there this summer, and uh, all these kids were feeding these wild squirrels and chipmunks, and uh, so I was like, Mom, can I go feed them? And I saw some of the kids were petting them, the wild chipmunks and squirrels, and I was like, oh, no, you didn't. And he's like, yeah, so I, uh, I, I found one, and I started giving him bread, and I tried to pet him, except this one, I, I felt bad for him because he like, didn't have any fur and he had like just a few teeth, and I was like, what? He had mange, and he's like, yeah, and it just ran up and bit me in the hand. And I was like, oh. He's like, and then they had to give me a shot in the stomach. I was like, did it have rabies? He's like, I don't know, but they gave me the rabies shot. It was horrible. I don't want to talk about it. So like the, the, we got out of the car, and the whole time he's like, are there any squirrels? And he was just like freaked out about squirrels the whole time. 
and uh, we'd be like, squirrel, and he'd be like, ah. <laughs> to this day, I wonder if he still has that phobia. Squirrel. And uh, we, we got going on this hike, and it was miles in. And, you know, it was one of those hikes you had to bring lots of water. My mom had all these jugs of water prepared and lots of food. Because um, it was just a long hike. It was hot. We didn't bring sun, uh, suntan lotion. Uh, so we're burning. There's mosquitoes. We didn't bring any propellant or anything like that. So we're just getting eaten alive. We're on this thing. We're about midway, you know, into this journey in the wilderness. And we're like, hey, we've, you know, drank through our little canteens. We're like, hey, can we break out the water? And my mom's like, hey, did you guys grab the water pack? We're like, what water pack are you talking about? She's like, the one with all the water in it. That's really heavy. It also has the food. And we're like, no! Everybody in the group just kind of had this look. And it just was like, why did you bring us to the wilderness to die? (laughs) Have you ever been in the wilderness in a situation like that? We're we're picking up this story, the story of Israel, God's people, um, where they were actually freed from Egypt. God's people, thousands of people, were uh, were actually enslaved in Egypt. And and the Exodus story, this really formative Judeo-Christian story, uh, is about God's people being freed from Egypt. And some of you might recognize in this story, we're actually picking up where we left off from last year, uh, the series Leave It in Egypt, to like the wilderness journey of God's people. Uh, that's why we're calling it the journey. And uh, in, this, in this story, just to, so you know, God's people have been set free from the enslavement in Egypt. God parted the Red Sea like when no one thought it would be possible, and he led them out to freedom. And we're picking it up from there. They've been freed from Egypt. And in chapter 16, it says this uh, in verse 1, The entire Israelite community departed from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin. And I like, that's not like an actual like metaphor for, you know, like this is the wilderness of sin where the sinners go. That's actually what it's called, just in case you were curious. Um, The wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. They're about two months into this journey. They've been set free. God has done this miraculous uh, deliverance of of the people of God. And there's thousands of them wandering now. And then it says... uh, In verse 2, the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. In the wilderness, they find themselves. And they begin grumbling to Moses and Aaron. Because when they get into the wilderness, they've been set free from Egypt. And all of a sudden, they're like, yes, we can be our own people. And then they look out over this. This vast nothingness. You've led us here, Moses. And begin grumbling to Moses and Aaron. Who are they really grumbling to? They're they're starting their journey of getting to know God. Like a lot of times we think of of the people of Israel, like they just were really tight and knew God and all of them had faith. Like many of them were just getting to know God, like starting the relationship. And this is where he leads them. Show another picture. There's, yeah, it doesn't get any better. You like you get out there and they've all followed Moses and we're all gonna like be set free. We're gonna be free people and then you're in this desert. Imagine it's kind of like that moment. Like my daughter, she was climbing. She's four and a half. She's not like twenty or anything. She's climbing this play structure and she gets up real high and all of a sudden she looks around where she's at and she does this look at me. <laughs> That's the wilderness look. Like where am I? Like how did I get here? Why did you lead me to this playground to die? And the wilderness in the Judeo-Christian tradition has come to symbolize the place of testing. 
the place of trial, the place of pain even, and the place of doubt, doubting yourself, doubting the situation, doubting your leaders, doubting God. Why have you led me here? Have you ever found yourself in a wilderness? I had a friend who came up to me, and he is before he knew Christ, and he was saying, oh, man, I, I'm struggling with doubt. I'm struggling. I'm doubting that God could even forgive me. I'm doubting, like, is God even real? He's let me go through, like, all this hard stuff. He's let me go through the wilderness. And I, I'm struggling with that. And his wife was also struggling. She didn't know Jesus and hadn't uh, stepped into a relationship with God and was just figuring that out. And our church, we, I mean, I'm, I'm very honest when you say you, you can be figuring those things out here. It's not like this you know, private club where you, you, know, you have to believe and change and act like a perfect Christian to be a part of this. Like, there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. Like, that's, what, that's what God's love and grace takes care of. And I, I'm, I, So I want you to know that. And they were struggling with doubt. Like, that was the wilderness they were in. And he was like, I just don't know if I can believe in God because I've got all these doubts. And Josie's like, I've got all these doubts. I don't know if we can step into this. And I remember just looking at him and saying, well... When you guys were getting married, did you have any doubts about each other? You know, and, you know, my friend was like, no, I didn't have any doubts about her. She's amazing. You know, he, he needs to say that. She's like, well, I had plenty of doubts. I had plenty of doubts. And he was like, well, I, I had a few. I had a few. I said, did you get all of those doubts answered before you linked arms and walked down the aisle and pledged your lives to each other? Started the relationship of marriage. They're like, no, we, we still have some of those and so it is with God. Like when we're in the wilderness, when we're in those places of doubt, like you don't, we don't always have to have all our doubts answered to start the relationship. And I think some of us need to know that. Some of us are facing that wilderness. I had another friend who was in a wilderness, and it was, it was hard. It was pain. Like he had a, my friend had a son who uh, had had a battle with addiction, uh, drug addiction for uh, most of his life, and they tried everything to help him and. Um, eventually his son lost the battle with addiction and he um, succumbed to it and died. And it was devastating. Family's devastated. And there's just all this internal angst. Like, could we have done more? And then why, why, why did he choose this? And like, uh, why wasn't there more help? Or, you know, God, where were you in this? And there were just all these questions mingled in the heart. I remember uh, he looked at me and said, "I, I am in a pit and I don't know how to get out. He was in the wilderness. Have you been in the wilderness? There's one thing I know is true. So we all will have to face the wilderness. We all will have to face the wilderness. You're either heading into it, you're in the middle of it, or you're heading out and getting ready to head into another. What wilderness have you been in? We all face the wilderness um, in the wilderness, we often grumble and stumble. Do you know that? When you're like in the middle of it, we often grumble and stumble. And in verse 2, again in the Exodus story, it says, the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses in the wilderness. They grumbled, they complained, they whined. Verse 3, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Egypt was amazing. 
You know, just a few chapters ago, they were crying out to God, would you free us from this? Like, we, we're going to die. We can't handle this. Free us, Lord. Look at the pain we're in. Look at the suffering. Look at the enslavement. Set us free. A few chapters forward, they're like, why have, you, why have you freed us? Why have you set us out on this wilderness trek to lead us to death? When we, when we used to sit in Egypt with all these pots of, of uh, meat and bread, and in the older translations, it says like leeks and, hun- and, leeks and onions. Like, we miss the onions, Lord. My brother always brings it up. They really love those onions. How ridiculous is that? They're complaining, and they said, they said this, Instead, you've brought us to this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. We don't have what we need. We don't have the provision. Why did you leave us out here? Doubt, anger, pain, fear. Why are they grumbling? They're afraid. Right? They're afraid. They're at the top of the play structure looking and they're freaking out. When fear grips us in the wilderness, we either look back to Egypt or we look up to God. Isn't that true? Like when we're in the wilderness, I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian to, to know this is true. Like, like you either look back to the things that you used to like love or were in the past or that you were maybe even addicted to. Like you look back to Egypt or you look up and throw a you know, Hail Mary prayer. Like, God, if you're real, would you just, you know, save me from this. Deliver me from this terrible date or, you know, whatever it is for you. Help me, Lord. Have you guys ever thrown a Hail Mary up? Am I the only one? I'm a pastor. I shouldn't even say that. It's pretty bad. When fear grips us in the wilderness, we either look back to Egypt or look look up to God. In Exodus 14, this has been a pattern for them, for for Israel, for the community, to look back at Egypt. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified. Fear gripped them, and they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Like, this has been a habitual problem. This is a, they are like addicted to grumbling and fear, and they don't know how to trust God. They haven't, they haven't learned whether they can trust Him or not. And they go on to say, What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt. Isn't this what we told you? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. They never, what, what in the world are they talking? They said, free us, God. The Egyptians are, are the slave masters. And now how the story changed. They all of a sudden start misremem- misremembering the past and glorifying the past that never really was. I'm sure none of us have ever done that. Isn't it interesting when we face the wilderness that we can become a lot like the children of Israel, God's people, and begin looking back to Egypt, the place that enslaved us, as if it was the place that is our Savior, that's the place that can save us. Look back to it. And for some people, like we begin looking back to our old addictions when we're facing the wilderness. Isn't that true? We began looking at those things that like had a grip of our hearts, the old Egypt, the old person, the old lifestyle, the old stuff that we used to do, the old stuff that we thought was totally good, and God has freed us from it. And then we hit the wilderness, and we freak out. You know, I'm, um, I'm not above this pattern. When I go through the wilderness, when I go through stress and 
frustration and hurt. And I'm like right in the middle of it. Like I'm finding more and more that I have, I'm like, my Egypt, one of my Egypts is turning back to like eating. Like I'm an emotional eater. Like if it's been a horrible week and I've set all these goals, I've told Sarah, you know, I'm not going to eat carbs. I'm going to be you know, eating really healthy and here's the plan. I'll do really good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I get to Thursday. It's my community group. It's my place, you know, my people. And we get to talk and go through life. But they cook this amazing food. And I walk in the door and I smell fried food. And I see like gourmet soups and amazing like truffles and um, brownies and chocolate sauce. And like, the, I'm, if I'm in the middle of a wilderness, all of a sudden I look back and I just want to drown myself, drown my sorrows with brownies and chocolate sauce. Anybody with me? No? Well, we all want to look back at Egypt when we're, when we're facing the wilderness, don't we? The what ifs, the moment like they said, if it would have been better, said the children of Israel. It would have been better if we were in Egypt. It would have been better if I still had that job. It would have been better if I still had that relationship. It would have been better if I, was, if I had this thing or that thing. It, it would be better, like I would feel better if I went back to this addiction. Like it is so easy to start looking back and start moving back toward Egypt. But don't make the mistake, friends. The mistake that gets made because of fear, because of grumbling, is, 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 is thinking that Egypt is freedom when the wilderness is the only thing that's going to bring us to freedom. Like that's God's path for us to freedom. And we look and see the wilderness and think like, oh man, that's, that's awful. And we think Egypt is freedom. That's when we fool ourselves. They begin wanting and thinking Egypt is better than what God has for them. Isn't that like a a point of crisis, a crisis of faith? Like, am I going to trust God when it looks like there's nothing for me, there's no food, no provision? I mean, think about it. Thousands of people, families, kids, adults, older folks that like they're taking care of, like a, a whole community, like cats and dogs or, you know, whatever they had back then, camels and they got their whole community and they're facing the wilderness. And they begin looking back to Egypt. What I want to tell you guys today is when you're facing it, look up to God. Don't look back to Egypt. Look up to God. And I think it's really easy. It's really easy um, to mistake Egypt for freedom when it's not. It's slavery. Don't go back there. But I think the thing is that like, if you've been a slave your whole life and you leave Egypt, it's hard to get Egypt out of you. A lot of us who have been in slave, like even abusive relationships, abusive a relationship with drugs or alcohol or whatever, something that's had a grip of you, it's really uh, easy to get used to that mentality. Like that's, this is what the good life is. When it's dysfunctional, it's awful and it's destructive. And we convince ourselves that it's not, it's, it's good. And they get faced with freedom for the first time and it scares them. How true is it that when we are faced with like actual freedom, that we freak out because it's like, we, I can, there's another future. I mean, think about it. They were slaves. They had their whole lives determined for them. They made bricks and they did this and they were rationed this amount of food and this is where they lived. They were slaves here. This is, everything was determined and they get brought out to the wilderness where like there's all these possibilities and there's a new uh, like vision for their life but they're facing the desert. 
And they're afraid to step into freedom because it's scarier and it's, it's easier to, to go back to like just being a slave. Don't go back because it's easier. How do we embrace the wilderness, embrace freedom, and step in to trust in God? The rest of this passage really reveals that. Exodus 16, um, verse 4, it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people are going to go each day and gather enough for that day. I am going to provide bread. I, pro- I split the seas for you. I provided a way out of Egypt. I'm going to provide a way to sustain you from Egypt. And I'm going to provide bread for that hunger that you have. I'm going to provide the, the food that you need. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions, whether they will begin to have a relationship with me where I'm their father and they're my kids and they rely on me. Will they do it or will they not? Verse 11, it picks up, The Lord spoke to Moses, I've heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will have, uh, eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So at evening, the evening came and covered the camp uh, with, uh, with quail. And in the morning, there, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And Moses told them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. It's the bread from heaven. It's the, God, it's the provision of God. Do you know that the word that they used for bread was manna? And it meant, what is it? Isn't that awesome? Like, what is it? Isn't it... Isn't that true? Sometimes when God provides for us, we might not even see and understand what it is. Like God is providing for them. He is providing, he's provided their salvation from Egypt, their deliverance from Egypt, and he's providing for them day by day. It's not like he's just going to provide once for them this bread. It says every day, day by day, God is going to provide bread. God is the provider. They're learning something about God's character, that he is the one who provides. Not only does he provide, like, like there are lots of fathers who will provide but not want any relationship with their kids. God is the father who wants to provide and have a relationship with us, a relationship of love and trust. The Bible, when you really look, look at it, comes down to trust and love. Do we trust him? And he begins providing bread for them. This what is it? And in the wilderness, and you might want to note this down, in the wilderness, we have to gather bread day by day. Day by day. God is providing for us day by day. God's provision day by day. Again and again and again. And in, 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 uh, in verse 4 it says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for these people who are to go out and gather every day. Enough for that day. Not for, the, not for tomorrow, not for other days. Um, in fact, in Exodus uh, 16, 18, uh, it goes on to say, Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. And Moses said to them, no one is to let any of it remain until morning, but they didn't listen to Moses. Some people left part of it until morning, and, and bread and worms came, and it stank, it rotted. Therefore, Moses was angry with them. They're trying to like hoard what they had from that day. They're trying to live off yesterday's bread. We, like our faith, something that's really important about our faith that I think you need to know is that we can't live off of yesterday's f- faith, yesterday's bread. 
Like, it can remind us of what God is going to do and will do in our circumstance. That God is with us, that he's good, that he wants to take care of us. But we can't just keep living on the past. Like, that's a, it's like living off of Egypt, in a sense. It's always like looking back. Like, we have to live presently and, and for the future and use the past to remind us of how God has been faithful over and over and over again in our life. Can I get an amen? Is this true? And if you don't know and you're exploring, you're, you're like, I don't even believe in God. I'm like on the journey. I'm just starting out. Like, is God real? Is this thing true? Like, I just want you to know people who have walked with him for a while can probably testify. They can, they can, they can witness to the fact that God is faithful over and over again, even in the wilderness. We can't live off of yesterday's bread, so we've got to stop doing that. We also can't have a relationship with God through other people. We can't have a, we can't have a relationship with God through other people. I think that is so important. God gives the bread as the God. Like, we don't provide the bread. He provides the bread. But we have to gather it. Like, you and I have to actually go out, like Israel, when we're in the wilderness, and we have to, like, use some active faith to look for the bread that he's already provided. It would be so easy just to stay in the tent in the morning when all the bread's out, all the manna, the what is it is out there, just to stay at home, to stay, you know, like sleep in or just to go out and just ignore what's out there because you don't want to go gather it or you're tired of gathering it or it takes work to go gather it. Like God has provided it. We don't work for his provision. He has provided it, but we have to go gather it. We have to receive it. And I, I want to encourage those of you maybe who have who've been sleeping in in the mornings or you're tired of being in the wilderness, you're exhausted, you're the, the points of pain and doubt and fear and testing in your life, you're like, I've had it. And you, maybe you've just stopped gathering it and so you're like, you're depressed and you're starting to look back toward Egypt because you can't even see the bread that God has put right in front of you. God, is, he provides over and over. And in our, in our lives, God provides bread, his provision. I can't tell you how many times God has provided for me in my life. Me and Sarah went through a wilderness recently. Some of you may know. And where we just lost um, a pregnancy after pregnancy. And it was so hard. We had these miscarriages that were, we had this loss. And there wasn't anything that could make you feel good about it. Like all this... There wasn't something that someone could say and it would just like snap you fully out of it. But in those moments where me and Sarah were struggling with the loss of our little ones. God brought person after person that God used to bring us bread, his provision. I am praying for you guys. And we're with you. Or people out of the way, we're, hey, we've gone through the same thing. I just want you to know, like... We, we have walked where you're walking. Like, they didn't even have to say anything or, you know, like, give us, like, some kind of Hallmark card. Just, oh, I've been through it. I am hurting with you. Like, it meant so much. I had one person come up to me. I didn't even know him very well. He's a pastor, and he had lost twins uh, like we had um, uh, a late-term pregnancy and um, had the miscarriage. And he said, um, it was really hard for us. And it still is very hard, but... I was reading in scripture that like the saints are singing praises to God in his presence. He's like, it just reminded me that currently my sons are in God's presence. No pain, no hurt. Praising God, you know, you know, living in a way that's just totally different and better than anything I could imagine. And when I sing, I'm joining them. And someday, after singing with them, I get to, I'll get to meet them. And uh, 
that was bread for me. Do you know what I'm saying? God brings us the bread right when we need it. Are we looking for it? Are we willing to gather it? It'd be really easy to be the Israelites and be like, well, God, like, you're going to bring bread. Remember when they're hearing this, God, God says, I promise bread. Wouldn't it be so hard to like, trust him at first? Like, I imagine some of you guys are like, maybe just starting faith and you're like, I've never seen this bread you speak of. You can see some of the Israelites being skeptical. Lord, you need uh, wheat harvest to make bread. You need ovens to make bread. You need like, like, and there's thousands of us. Where are the ovens? Where's the wheat? Like, where's, how are you going to make this bread? And God brings the bread in a way they never would expect. But they have to gather it. They can't live off of yesterday's bread when they start doing it. They've got to live for the bread that God provides daily. Um, that's faith, friends. No more, no less. Daily walking with God, learning to trust Him. They're, they're just starting to learn to know if they can trust and have a relationship with this God who set them free. They're like, they're, they're, isn't it interesting that the manna that was provided, they didn't even understand how, understood how it worked and that they had to like, put it together and they didn't know how it all worked at first. But, and then they had to learn by experience. You will have to learn by experience and have a relationship with God. That is how faith works. You can't have it through somebody else. You can't have faith through your family. It's not just passed down genetically. And all of a sudden you're in because you have a family member who has faith. And you, know, and you can't be the, the Christian who just lives off of faith from 40 years ago that you had when you were in high school or whatever. This is a living daily faith. God's not going to abandon you ever, even if you've maybe walked away from him. He, he will never abandon you. His love it can never be uh, torn from you but I'm telling you you will have a different kind of life and you'll face the wilderness differently when you're walking with him gathering bread I want you to watch a story of someone who's uh, who's walking that that life of faith gathering daily bread I was working for an in-home care agency and on like no notice, my hours got cut in half. I only worked half the month, so my next paycheck was gonna be really small, like, you know, super small. And so that was the rent check. That's the one that I used to pay my rent. And so I was really down about it. And at this point, I had been, I've been going to Hawaii Water for about eight months at this point. So I was pretty connected within like the community group. So I started talking to Jay and Shanine about it and they were like, oh, ask Scott, like, you know, talk to Scott, he'll, he'll help you. And my heart was pounding. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) And so like begging to the church for money, like what am I really doing right now? And so then Scott called me and he was like, you know, are you guys safe? Are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're okay. Okay. And he's like, well, you know, what do you need? And I'm like, well, whatever, you know, you guys can do, I'll pay you back, you know, whether that be with money or my time. And he's like, that's not what I'm asking you. He's like, you know, what do you need? Do you need food? Is it just your rent? And I was like, it's just your rent. That's, that's all that I need. And he was like, well, I'll talk to George and we'll handle it. What do you need it by? I'll have it by this Sunday. And I just like started crying on the phone, like just so grateful and so taken back by it. Like I didn't expect I think that's really what sets white water apart from other places because I feel like they genuinely want to help, you know what I mean? And so shows the importance of giving and tithing, I think, because, you know, if nobody tithed, that money wouldn't be there to help people out in, in those situations, which is another reason why I tithe. Like, my goal is to 
like give back what the church gave to me. Honestly, I don't even know if I could ever repay for like all that they've been in my life, especially group. Like for a point in time, group was what <laughs> was what was keeping me afloat for a while. You know, like just coming to church on Sundays and then going to group on Tuesdays was all I had to look forward to for a while. So it just means a lot. Yeah. I hear that like that is bread for my soul um i love when tiana says like group was like the only thing like keeping me afloat and god like god's provision his bread that he gives is is his provision for any need that we have that we can't provide for ourselves any need we may have the need for community like did you notice that this is a community of people uh, the, the children of Israel who are going on this journey together. Friends, we are, we are a church that believes in community. We are on a journey together. Don't do it alone. Gather bread together. Help one another. And like your bread becomes someone else's bread. And God uses that to provide for other people. Like in Tiana's story, like in your story and in my story. God provides over and over. He provides for like the vision to like keep going with your life or through some really hard times. He provides joy when you're struggling with joy. He provides um, the, the, the friendships that we need to like be healthy and to, to, to be able to make it through stuff that we wouldn't be able to on our own. He provides community for us. I, I can't tell you how important community is like we have these community groups they meet they break bread and they discuss life but they are like spiritual loving communities where you can belong before you believe you're they're inclusive they believe in the truth of god's love but but they don't feel like they have to defend god all the time like it's a place where we can come and explore and love and live together and i just want to encourage you if you've been living without that bread in your life get in a community group so don't do the journey alone. Get, get one of those uh, for your life. It is so important. And lastly, there's this great need that we have for our souls. Like there's this brokenness and hurt. There's this, um, Bible calls it sin, like the Egypt that has a grip of our life. And we need to be freed from it. Um, and God, God has provided a bread from heaven that will deal with sin, evil. Satan, death, the, the awful things in our world. And the bread he provided was his son. Jesus said it like this. He said, I am the bread of heaven. I am the bread of life. No one come, who comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Like, I will take care of your soul need. I will give you eternal life. It goes on to say in verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, says Jesus, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. I love that. It's not just some people. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the really needy people. Everyone. And my Father's will is that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life and that I will raise Him up on the last day. That we have a hope for the future. You know that Israel wandered around for 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness, what should have and could have taken just 40 days to get from Egypt to the promised land. But for 40 years they wandered around daily living off of God's bread, living off the provision, looking forward to the provision that would come in the cross of Jesus Christ where Jesus died for the sins of the world, 
gave up his body so, and it was broken for us and he and bled for us so that like we could have a relationship with God and all our sin and all our Egypt was put on him and that we could have an eternal bread that is satisfying our souls that will bring us to the promised land. And for 40 years, the children of Israel wandered around living day to day looking forward to the day of full freedom where they could live in the promised land. And isn't that true that our souls long for that? That while we're on this planet in the wilderness, that we are wandering, but not without purpose, that we are gathering bread, not without purpose, but looking toward the ultimate prize that we have through Jesus Christ that brings us into the promised land. Amen. What I want to ask you today is if you've been on that journey, if you've been in the wilderness, and I don't care what wilderness, it doesn't matter to God, he will lead you forward. And maybe you've been in Egypt, and God doesn't care what Egypt or how bad that has had a grip on your heart. Maybe you've been wandering around and, and, and you need God today. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him. You know that we're either headed towards slavery or freedom, Egypt, or God. Where are you headed today with your life? And I want you to head toward Jesus. I want you to head toward the promised land. I want you to see the daily bread that God has given you. I want you to see the eternal bread that God gives you through his son, Jesus. And if you're needing to start a relationship with him, and maybe today is a day you feel like, you know what, I want to start that. I have some doubts, and I have some of these pains that I'm going through, but I want to start the process of having a relationship with God leaving Egypt, stepping into the wilderness with God, not alone. I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you need to restart, you've wandered off and you've, I mean, for years or months or I don't know what your story is, but if you've wandered away and you need to restart with him, I want to give you that opportunity right now. What I'm going to do is ask us to pray. If you'd bow your heads. This prayer is, I'm going to say these words. This is a prayer that you can pray after me, but it really is your prayer to God. I want you to pray. This is from your heart, and this is just a guide to help you. But if you want to start or restart a relationship with God and receive the bread from heaven, would you pray this prayer? Father, I've been in the wilderness. I've been looking back to Egypt, and I need to look up to you. Would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you free me from my sin and my regret? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that you could be my Savior and set me free. I give you my life, and I give my life to your care and your control. Amen. Could we give a hand for those who made a step of faith today? I'm so happy. No matter where you're at, where you're at going in your journey. We want to help you move forward. And I want to ask you, I want to just challenge you, would you commit to the four next weeks of being a part of this journey series? Like each, each week, we're going to have, it's a specifically designed series that's going to help us move forward and grow. And four weeks, four hours of your time could change your life. Could you commit to that? And, and get in a group. Take the journey with a group. Fill that out on your connection card. Just, just like sign up. Fill it out. There's a, connect, there's a community group area. Just fill that you're interested in it. You'll be contacted about that. And we'll get you on your journey with people together. Um, and lastly, 
I'm so, if God's working on your heart doing anything, if you've made a step to follow Christ today, start your relationship with him, restart it, or you're just moved and you need prayer, you're in the wilderness and it's a heavy time, don't, leave, don't do it alone and you need some bread today, I will be in the back with some others. We want to pray with you. We love you. God bless you. May you find the bread that he brings. Amen.